why don't you take over uh, Arturo Zurita, and here it we was, are. It was too much for us yeah. to be handled. Pause of Fury in one day. We should have already <laughs> been more than enough, but uh, we are here to talk about all the new stuff that is out in theaters, on streaming, which again, in my opinion, I think took it away, uh, continues to win. But we are going to be going through all the stuff that we've been watching recently, starting with the stuff that's in theaters. One that we were... I don't want to say we were dreading it, but for a long time, I did not know the name of this movie much more... Really, the per, the, the pronunciation? The crawdod? Crawdid? Crawdid? Crawdad is yeah. what it's supposed to be called. Uh, we went to a late screening of this, because when I think of a Saturday night out with the boys, I think, where the crawdads sit. Exactly. You were explaining to me, this is a book... Based that on, Reese like picked up. Yeah, this is a book that uh, became a phenomenon. Reese Witherspoon picked it up, as uh, we mentioned, and uh, put it in her book club. So it's got a big fan base already, and I think it's sort of uh, uh, speaking from not having read the book. It's sort of of this mold of these like, uh, you know, so, the, these kind of interesting outsider true crime mm -hmm. stories that have tinges of romance going on. Like yeah. there are these different men in her life and stuff like that. Uh, we also found a lot, a lot more about the author of that book, Delia Which Owens, this I week. I did not know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's something we want to get into, but let, let's focus on the movie at least at first. Where the Crawdads Sing It's the adaptation of the Delia o Owens novel, uh, directed by Olivia Newman and, of course, starring Daisy Edgar Jones. This one is about a woman who raised herself in the marshes of the Deep South, where Marsh those titular Crawdads do sing. Uh, become and then she becomes the suspect in the murder of a man she was once involved with. A nice PG way of saying uh, copulating. Say say. Yeah say, yeah, say, yeah yeah. Doing doing the thing. Uh, anyway, where the crowd sing? It's it's hot. It's the big movie in the in the box office this weekend. Seventeen million dollars. I don't know how much of that is just like Taylor Swift fans. Going to check out Carolina in Dolby, yeah, the way it's intended to be heard. That's the way people wanted to see it. Uh, it's got a small budget. I think the budget ended up being like 25 mil, so it's not even like they needed to bring that much back. Uh, I have not read the book. I hear that the book does a fantastic job. It's the reason Reese Witherspoon is a producer on this bad boy. Um, so I can't judge it off that. The story we get, pretty simple, yeah. I want to say. I think you, when you came out of it, you were like, everyone is pretty much one no. Mm -hmm. The character that they're going to play, it's that and nothing else. And for a mo movie that's two hours and five minutes, I think that it suffers from not being able to give you that very flourished world that I'm sure the book gives you. Right. Um, you, you don't feel like you get a sense of the character's inner lives. You just kind of get the surface. Like, you know, there's the there's an abusive dad in the story. And before you've even heard a word out of his mouth, he's already, like, slapped three women. <laughs> and it's kind of like... It, yeah, okay, I get the it's character. Thing he runs with it, yeah. Yeah, but it's like it's a very, very like boiled down version of who all these people are. Yeah, and you're not necessarily getting you know like a complex character study or it's it's I think meant to be kind of like uh, titillating and 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 fascinating and kind of transportive yeah. in a, in a way and also relies a lot on your interest in these performances from Daisy Edgar Jones and, and like. Her. Yeah, That's and she's especially in like this sort of romance yeah. subgenre between uh, her Hulu series Normal People and then even like the the Fresh. weirdos with Fresh. Okay, and this is kind of a combination, not to the fullest degree of both yeah. of those. Yeah, not all has, the murder. Yeah, she has one murder. relationship that's actually good. Yeah. You know, it's a dude who they do this really cute thing where they're always, like, sharing uh, feathers with each other. Mm -hmm. And then there's 
parts of it that I thought worked out to a certain degree. Uh, and then she has a different relationship with this other guy named Chase, and he's like the a-hole of it. This other dude, though, Harris uh, Dickinson, I kept seeing him in the movie, and I had no idea who he was. Uh, I pulled him up. This dude is on a run. Uh, he was in B-Tracks. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, that man, was is that the, the B-Track guy? He's the B-Track, yeah. Damn. Uh, on top of that, he's the King's Man. Oh. That was him in all those trailers. I haven't seen the movie, so. I seen it <laughs> That's him in that. And he's in, like, yeah. He, shout out, shout out to Liza Part 2. Oh. Jeez. So, uh, I did not like him in this movie, but he definitely has a career ahead of him. So, yeah. Uh, Harris Dickinson definitely stood out. I thought she does a decent job for what she's supposed to be doing. She also has a uh, younger counterpart because there's a little girl who plays her mm-hmm. uh, as she's growing up. I thought she did a decent job as well. Those were some of my favorite bits of the movie yeah. where it's really about this girl trying how to she figure... Survived. Yeah, how she survived uh, after losing her parents. And I, that, I think, is most of what I liked. Then it gets into kind of the melodramatic romance, r- love triangle thing. And I, I don't know, maybe that's just something that works better on the page than it does in the screen, but it's it's a little thin. And especially because they're hanging this murder plot over yeah. you, the whole movie, and just drawing it out. And that's like, the, the more interesting stuff is there in the beginning and there in the end. And you're just kind of, at a certain point, waiting around for them for to that, reveal for stuff. that big moment, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, if you read the book, obviously I would say definitely go check it out. Um, but in terms of what I found the most intriguing was what you were telling me about the backstory that this is a, a movie where you're wondering, did she do it? Did she not? Uh, are they trying to define what did this girl have to do with that letter to this point in her life to begin with? Uh, you see that the author went through some stuff that correlates with what this movie is going through as well because a lot of stuff has come out that there's a warrant for her arrest <laughs> or for her to be interrogated. Interrogated, yeah. Uh, but they said they got that stuff on camera, so I don't know. She like lived in yeah. Africa for whatever reason right, and was right. like, stopping poachers. Like, she was it, poaching the poachers. Exactly, or attempting to. Attempting to. Reportedly... <laughs> Allegedly, supposedly. <laughs> Definitely um, read the fascinating Atlantic yeah. article because it's honestly more interesting than this movie was. It, it sounds like she knew exactly what the character was going through. But uh, yeah, I, I think just fine. one one final detail is like I think this is the kind of movie where, in order to depict a girl who is poor and doesn't have parents to looking after her, they make sure her shoes or her feet are dirty, mm-hmm. but her hair is done. There's nicely. no shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, it, I think that gives you a picture of, like, the the type of movie. The it, way they're it approaching it. Yeah. It is the cleanest marsh swamp out there. Absolutely. Uh, I would give it a rent it. So that is out in theaters, if you guys are curious, for where the crawdads sing. Uh, it's my slight spoiler. They don't sing. Yeah. Well, they don't they even don't. show a crawdad at any point. They don't show a crawdad. Like, there's a point in the movie where it kind of looks like, oh, she could go crawfishing. One out of five stars. She pulls muscles instead. What, yeah. What's up with that? Uh, I, there's, there, it's a metaphor. I, I did read up on it. It's supposed to be a metaphor, you know, because it's so, you can't hear them sing, so it's it's to infinity and beyond. Yeah. But for the Marsh people. Yeah. M- metaphors, another thing that might work better in the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, but that is out in theaters, alongside the one that we went to go see this yes. morning, made the trek downtown just to Fresh go catch. out the cinema. Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. <laughs> we thought we were going to be the only ones in there, but there was uh, three very respectful kids. <laughs> yeah. Gentle minions in their own right. <laughs> who uh, woke up in this morning to go see Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank, which Zach was telling me, dude, everyone credited in this movie is also credited in another little movie from the 1970s that people claimed would never be remade. That is Blazing Saddles. Uh, it's on sale on Apple. I had purchased it as soon as Zach told me uh, and was rewatching it. And I'm going to tell you, if you watch them both back to back, you are going to see a lot of correlations because yeah. there is a reason 
why even Richard Pryor, rest in peace, is credited in this movie yeah. as a writer. Can you believe it's the latest credit on his IMDb? Right. Pause of Fury, yeah, who would have thought? Uh, it's fine. Yeah. Um, we should also, I, I thought it was interesting you mentioned that the original title was Blazing Samurais. Which is something that is brought up in the movie yeah. and should have remained the title Probably of it. Probably a much more interesting title. If you're giving them the, the entire credit, might as well just put it yeah. on there as well. Yeah. Like, I can't remember Pause of Fury very easily. Every time I, I want to, it's like, it's not the Kung Fu Pan. It, it, no, it's not the bad. Which is also, uh, yeah. Yeah. Plus, I keep saying furry. I keep thinking it's Paws of Furry, Paws of Furry, I, and then Legend of the Hank is a yeah. whole subtitle that nobody cares. I, was that his name? I, sure, I guess. Was Hank the dog's name? Yeah, I think so. Pretty much the story is it's flipping this idea of, if you don't know the Blazing Saddles story, a dog that comes into town and gets chosen to be the samurai because he has this memory of being saved by a samurai, uh, samurai long before. Uh, but it's a town of cats, so they don't like the dog. Right, right. And they say dog with a re really harsh D right there. <laughs> Uh, and the whole thing, again, is a flip of the cowboy character who comes mm -hmm. into town in Blazing Saddles, but it also plays with a lot of, um, I want to say 1930s, 40s uh, samurai movies. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Samuel Jackson who's playing Jimbo, like Yo Jimbo, yeah. but then also Jim from the uh, original movie. I really like the cartoony elements of it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the uh, metaphors, the innuendos that they're going for in the movie can be funny, maybe very overbearing, mm -hmm. maybe like they're trying to remake a movie that's already been made in the mm -hmm. 1970s, uh, but there's a lot of Looney Tunes type animation in yeah, the film yeah. uh, that worked for me. I didn't hate it. It's somewhere in the middle for my animated films this year. Yeah, I'm stuck between thinking that this movie like wasn't very good in that like the, the characterizations are all kind of flexible and, and it's silly, and I, I thought it was also like not a very pretty looking animated movie like next to, next to if like you've seen the red beast y'all just saw uh, bob's burgers and like uh, Lightyear came out not too long yeah, ago these like are, it just pales in comparison like thankfully marmaduke's out there to make it not look garbage but like the only it, saving grace not a very good looking animated movie despite all that it's like fun and silly and has a bunch of jokes and some some weird medicine stuff going on that like I, I could see enjoying when i was younger like i just i feel like the movie is mostly successful at aiming at the target audience it's apparently going for. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know where to land on it because like, I kind of enjoyed it, even yeah. though it wasn't good. To me, it's like, uh, this is the movie that isn't necessarily a kid's meal. It's the mighty kid's meal. <laughs> it's, it's, for, it's for those boys that are still in the okay. in-between, and uh, they, they want to pretend like they're an adult, and they get the adult joke, mm -hmm. but they don't really get the adult joke. Mm -hmm. The thing that really hit for us was that there's a short that plays before oh this movie God. none of us were expecting. I was told about it because I guess, I think his name is Big Nate. There's, there's the Big Nate clan out there, which I guess is a series or something. Um, I can't even tell you what type of animation style it is. It's yeah. a series. so it's well, They on... blend animations too. And... I, I don't know if that was just for the short. Anyways, there's a short called Big Nate's Gerbil? Big Nate's something. Uh, the kids eat a bunch of ice cream, and it's based off of this Paramount Plus original series. I never got to see the series. I'm kind of intrigued on the yeah. series. Uh, I think it, it is an important subject <laughs> that the kids in front of us needed to hear, because I'm sure one of them owns a gerbil and yeah. puts it in their pocket. After this 10-minute short, they will never do that again. I was just not expecting, like, a brief acid trip prior to right seeing before? Pause of Fury. Yeah. That was really, really weird. It's, it, it 
Is that what kids' entertainment is now? Is it that bizarre? Well, it's a Nickelodeon movie, yeah. so it's almost like a throwback to, I think, what we grew up with. Yeah. That wouldn't have been as abnormal back in the day, right. but to see it today was like, oh, Jarring, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I approve of it, though. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of want to check out That part I like mates, more than most of Most of the Fury, movie, yeah. exactly. So if you do get the chance to go see it, get there early so that you can see the Big Nate, <laughs> the big Nate short. Uh, <laughs> I like the animation in that. I yeah, that, that was a lot That was better. more cl- clever, creative, yeah. I like so, that. definitely check that out. But overall, in Pause of Fury, kind of in the middle. Yeah, I mean, if you if you are with kids or need kids to entertain, I think it'll, do, it'll do, do the job. Do still, the job. You still need to watch Minions, though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but that was the stuff that was in theaters. Moving on to the stuff on streaming. We have one that I was able to re-watch. Uh, I don't want to spoil this one. Yet, because when we caught it in Tribeca, the whole point was that you need to go into this as blank as possible. But we will talk about the first three quarters of yeah, the movie, which we actually really enjoy. I thought it was very delightful. Don't make me go. Yeah, this is a new like road trip comedy yeah. starring John Cho and Mia Isaac about a terminally ill man who wants to take his teenage daughter to have some experiences together and meet her mother before uh, he potentially dies. And, you know, I think... There's a lot of cliched elements to this in terms of in terms of the you know father daughter dynamic and not quite getting along and which oh, is cute yeah and like, but they they are so good in this particularly like jo, uh, Cho and Isaac I think they go beyond like the cliche situ- setup of the whole situation mm-hmm. and make it really believable like they're really believable next to one another and dealing with that tension and like it, it's they're very charming in this movie. They actually feel like people who spend time with each yeah. other, uh, and not like, "Hey, so we just met. There's your real mom right there. I'm gonna pretend for like an hour." Not, it's not the Nathan for you where the kid's being swapped out, and that's why it's interesting that the movie begins by letting you know that you're not gonna like the story, mm-hmm. like specifically the story. Yeah, which like you know could serve as a uh, warning for the big twist that happens. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of movies that have done this cliche of like. This isn't a happy story, and then it's like still find a way to do so. Yeah, right. I, I yeah. It's I don't just know. such a rug pull. It's that a bummer. This movie do- it's a huge bummer, and it. I don't know. I, I just feel I'm not against bummers. In fact, I'm typically for bummers. Yeah. But I think bummers have to have some kind of like justification or preparation or uh-huh. like maybe a little bit of foreshadowing beyond one yeah. line at the very beginning of the movie when maybe people are still walking into the theater or it's grabbing like something from purpose. the kitchen yeah. yeah i don't know i i agree with you there because i think that they have a really good relationship in terms of them yeah. going on this journey to what's supposed to be his high school reunion so it's him looking back at his past uh while she's kind of looking to her future and it, i don't know i thought it was a really good yeah. uh, dynamic that they were able to carry with it but uh definitely and, worth catching on prime yeah, yeah, for sure, and maybe you won't be as jarred by the ending as we were, but I don't know. It didn't, it didn't quite work for me, but I've, I've seen some reactions from people who thought it was actually pretty effective. So, All right. so I don't know. go into it with no spoilers. But Hannah Marks is a director that I think we both like. So yeah, she did Mark and Mary and other people, Recently. which we recommended yeah. a year or two ago. Uh huh. So she's done a couple of stuff. So if you're interested, check this one out. I think they give some pretty good performances over on Prime. All right, swapping to Netflix, there is yet another Jane Austen adaptation out there. This one is called Persuasion, uh, and oh it is notably starring Dakota Johnson. Yep. Uh, you know, we get these, particularly the adaptations of Persuasion, but like the adaptations of Austen all the time, 
Uh, and I think it's a particular style. It's a particular setting. There's a lot of people who really, really enjoy um, returning to this world. You yourself returned to this world a couple times to try and get through uh, Netflix's version of Persuasion. It was rough. Uh, <laughs> you were telling me that a lot of people were saying this is like um, modernization in terms of like the way that they speak. And to mm -hmm. me, it's not so much that they're doing like a you know modern lingo as much as it is a modern way what they speak about right. it's not how they speak about something it's what they're talking about like you they just would not have this mindset back in the day they're saying words that were you know not invented uh in present times it's just more so like you have a sister who's complaining about going you know i'm an empath and you have somebody else you know who they're it, it's not like in Paul's of fury where they were sending out tweets with birds right uh it, it, it's just a a flip of it. The closest that I can probably compare it to was uh, Gretel and Hansel, the mm -hmm. Hansel and Gretel story, where they put Gretel first, right. and it's just her questioning why she wasn't the first in the fairy tale, and it's just like that's not really how it would work. Um, Dickinson, I think, is one that goes way further and does it. a much better job because they mm -hmm. actually modernize stuff there. Here, it did not seem to go all the way. Uh, it's really dependent on how much you like her. She's breaking the fourth wall, forwards mm. and backwards. That's her whole shtick. She's interacting with the kid, like she is treating the camera. Like, it's her friend. So if you are a person who really likes Dakota Johnson speaking to you, oh, she hides from the camera when she's shy. It's a whole dynamic that she's got going on. So I can see people gravitating uh, extremely. Overdose on quirkiness. Um, so if you like that, then definitely check it out. If not, I don't see this being your cup of tea. I don't see this being something that's going to persuade you to get into the Jane Austen side of things. Good pump. Um It's all right. Decent. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's definitely not one that like grabbed my attention, uh, and it, it, I think the thing is that like the people who tend to really care about this are also rejecting it. So I don't know. You were telling me that there's beef between <laughs> this movie and Love and Friendship on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I had to pull this up, but explain explain uh, <laughs> what's going on here between the Jane Austenites. Uh, well, I believe that today. Even or maybe it was yesterday, uh, is the two hundred fifth anniversary of Jane Austen's birth. So in, of course, <laughs> in celebrating that, uh, love and friendship decided to shoot some arrows. Persuasion's I, way. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up right here so y'all could see. Uh, yeah, love and friendship. I don't remember seeing this movie, but mm. I jogged my memory when you were telling me about it. Yeah. Um, this is uncalled for. This yeah. Is, be bloodshed on the streets over here. Who who's in charge of the love and friendship Twitter account? <laughs> this is a six year old movie at this point. Like where, where were y'all at when the movie was out in theaters? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the most enjoyable part of the movie. No one would have thought that she died again this weekend. R.I.P. <laughs> July 18th. So yeah, I might actually go rewatch Love and Friendship. We'll see because I remember that being another one that was very uh, snappy in what they were going for there. Yeah. So. Very interesting stuff there. Persuasion out on Netflix. If you're curious, if not, I'd say go to Apple TV for the better movie that she had out nice. on streaming. All right, so let's stick with Netflix and talk a little bit about Incantation. Yes, sir. I hadn't heard about this one, but you threw it on the rundown. So uh, we got to talk a little about this Japanese, I think you said, horror movie. I believe so, yeah. That seems to be scaring some folk. Uh, yeah, it scared the crap out of me. It is uh, from Taiwan. Okay. This is a movie that Netflix just quietly put out there, and this is the same weekend where they were picking up the uh, SVOD rights to Amma, uh. um, which came out earlier this year with Sandra Oh. Amma's all right. 
I gotta put this one on y'all's radar. So pretty much, it is very ring-like in the sense that there is a woman who's kind of recording everything. Uh, she's raising her kid, but she has heard of this curse that is following her. And she needs to do everything in her power to stop this curse, uh, or else it's going to attack her kid. And she's kind of like recording all of the moments that she's going through with her child and a lot of the events that are happening in front of them. There is this like Buddhist cult that they have to go visit and kind of deal with. There is imagery in this movie where they tell you, look at this symbol. Right there, Zach. Look at it. You look at that bad boy right there, Ooh. and it is the thing that's going to protect you. So I'm over here trying to memorize all the points because I don't know if this movie's going to, like, I don't know, take it to the next level. Um, this is a creepy movie. I know a lot of people get recommended scary stuff, and for the most part, it's subjective, like what scares another person. I don't know. There's a, a vibe to this movie that I think effectively does what found footage is known for, which is almost making it feel like it's an authentic tape that you like a home video that you found of this woman um yeah i i really like the journey in here and it's really creepy sound design is fantastic and the acting is uh, very immersive because they go through it in this incantation a very wretched cursed movie about a family who may or may not be possessed damn okay i'll have to Check look out. into that one what was that other taiwanese horror movie that we were talking about not so long was it was it detention that was also really Detention cool. was a good one, yeah, I know. That one's based off of a video game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're supposed to be doing a sequel with that. And then The Sadness, which I can't remember oh. where that one was from, but that was like a virus that right, causes right, right. people to become <laughs> really belligerent. But uh, Incantation, one of my favorite horror movies of the year, so definitely check that one out on Netflix. All right, so those are the new streaming releases, but let's talk about some TV shows because there's a lot of exciting things happening on TV Particularly on HBO, because we always have, HBO have the return of the goat. It's been so long. Nathan Fielder, the man who created one of the more iconic blending of fiction and reality shows of all time. And Nathan, for you, just like incredible, incredible cringe comedy. It, he's back with a just blown out version of the style that is so singular to him. Uh, the rehearsal is Nathan Fielder trying to give people the chance to rehearse their own lives in order to get through difficult situations. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we want to talk too specifically about what happened so far, especially since there's only one episode out now, but I do want to talk about that episode just a little bit because it it's maybe like... It's got to be top five episodes of this year, at least, if not in longer than that. Yeah. It's incredible. We were given five episodes. Zach says that there is a sixth. Yeah. I think it ends beautifully, but if there's a sixth, I'll take it. The whole premise of it is if Zach and I were doing this podcast, it wouldn't just be rehearsing for the podcast. It would be recreating the entire room mm -hmm. that we host this podcast in, in a warehouse, detailed down to it. And then it wouldn't be Zach. I would hire someone who's kind of like Zach in order to be able to reenact something to see if a joke would have worked. You laughed because I did a rehearsal of this and your actor version laughed as well, Zach. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. It's like the way in which he deconstructs the different situations and dives deeper. It's like it's the most insane form of method acting you've, oh, yeah. you've ever seen combined with like just like him trying to exercise anxiety. It's a, it's a therapy session for him. Yeah. That's where I've come down on it. He's right. not making comedy stuff. He knows it's going to be funny, mm -hmm. but he's literally just being therapeutic. Mm -hmm. He's literally testing out. Maybe 
this is something I may want to do later on in life? Can I? Should I see if that's something I would right. want to go through? And, and it's also like, it's it's also the like not knowing, right? It's the anxiety about like I don't know how I would act in this situation. Is this something I can handle? Yeah. Like creating a fictionalized safe environment, but also then interrogating the safeness of that environment and the validity of that environment. It's so like it, it's so deconstructive and so meta and dive so deep down that rabbit hole. Uh, it's somewhere between Nathan for you and Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. And, and like in just the best way possible. I'm astounded by the series so far. Do you have a favorite episode or scenario so far that you can say in the most vague of details? I mean, I, I'll just... Episode 4 goes really far. I told you episode 4 was <laughs> hilarious. It's so good. I don't know. I still think that first episode is like amazing. The best one? Amazing. Yeah. The the music cue at the very end is so perfect. And I think it's one of those things that like only Nathan Fielder could kind of accomplish. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, this one gets my recommendation. I Ice think it's going to be on gun. both of ours recommendations for the week. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Catch this one. And then catch it again because when you rewatch them, they just get funnier. Yeah. It's fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. He always delivers. Yeah, I, I think maybe when the show's over, we can do like uh, after credits where we actually oh, dive into more than enough. Because you were telling me some of the funny bits when he's playing a character <laughs> mm-hmm. and what their snack of choices, and it's just like really, yeah, sometimes redundant, really dumb stuff, but it fleshes out a one-off joke that he's right. just doing. That's the, it, that's the thing that is really so enjoyable about the show is they really care about all the details. Yeah, and. Whoever did the production design on the show deserves all the Emmys. Yeah. It is incredible. It's really good. It's yeah. over on HBO. Do yourself a favor. Uh, I'd say watch this on a weekly basis because I think the way that he progresses the story, that's another thing too, is that he, he's kind of carrying a storyline. I feel like in a lot of the Nathan For You stuff, uh, it's a series, but for the most part, he's seeing right. it in business. No, there, this is really progressive. There's a through line, yeah. There's a linear progression to it that's really interesting and so. different for him. I like it a lot. Yeah. The rehearsal. All right, on Disney Plus, Mar- Miss Marvel just wrapped up its six-episode run. I've still only seen the first four, but Art has finished it all. Uh, so, given that we've se- you've seen all six, what do you think of this latest from uh, Marvel and where it ranks among the other Disney Plus Marvel shows? She's really cool. The actress who yeah. plays Miss Marvel, like she seems like an actual fan, someone who has opinions that, surprisingly, are exactly what the fans feel as well, and she disagrees with the company she's working with the most. Uh, I mean, she's probably the first actress or, like, at least prominent person in the MCU who really did authentically grow up on these movies. Actually read the stuff, and you could tell that it's not like, oh, yeah, I got into the Thor character as (laughs) soon as uh, they contacted me. Yet That shows through, and I think that's why the show is so effective. Uh, I still stick with the idea that it is a is a perfect blend of a Disney Channel, CW, and what is now Freeform show combined. Uh, it's what Disney Plus has the potential to be. Of course, with it being under the Marvel umbrella, they're always going to bring it back. And without getting into too many spoilers, I, I did kind of tell you what happens at the end, except for one, a post credit scene, where it's just reminding you, hey, this is still just a teaser to the, to the bigger world, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously that's what you're going to get. But they make some more inclinations because they have discussed this every year. Every year Marvel goes, and this is the first time you're seeing these guys. And it's like, we have been hearing, you have been crying wolf for so long that by the time we finally get whatever the announcement is, because this seems like the 15th announcement of it, 
gonna be bland. Yeah. You know, like how many times can you hype something up to the point that when you finally reveal it, it's gonna feel very anticlimactic. Um, I beg and beg more and more for these MCU stuff to be very self-contained, and I think that's where they're best. Uh, when they're at their best, and uh, I'm iffy on what they're going to be doing now that all the MCU Netflix stuff is under their umbrella. I really do feel like they're just going to be like, oh, those shows you saw on Netflix? Yeah, so remember in the multiverse, they look just like the characters you know. That was happening over there in the 616. It, they look just like them. Right. They're just not TVMA. <laughs> uh, and it's going to be more in this vein. This is where it works best mm-hmm. because she's a teenager. Because mm-hmm. she's she's you know uh, got the drawings and that whole aesthetic going on. I don't want to see this style with a lot of the other MCU characters, and I think that's where it's getting way too convoluted. But yeah, um, I love her passion in, in, in the series, and uh, I really liked a lot of the just cultural metaphors they were able to make towards the end, bringing in a lot of famous actors from the Middle East. Um, you've seen half of it. Yeah, I mean, do you I... like it more than the others? You know what it is? Is like I do think it's kind of similar in tone to a lot of Marvel stuff, but the tone makes a lot more sense here to me. And because I, I feel you. there's like the jokiness. It's Peter, in the, bro. Yeah, Peter's yeah. the only high schooler they've got. Right, and everybody else part. acts like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> you know, like they don't act like like adults and stuff. They they are the quip machines and whatever. And I think it kind of makes sense given the context here. The, the CW if aesthetic, if that's what we want to call it, like but it's it good works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm saying that kind of. No, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It, like, I'm still. I still feel that like, there's a lot of, of stringing you along happening in all these things. That mm. and I, I just feel. I feel the like. I feel the tease, tease to leading to not much. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and especially given, like, just how many hours of you do. I mean, like, I guess, yes, this is only six hours. But, like, it's six hours after we just did this with Moon Knight. After we just did this with, with, with Thor and Doctor Strange. It's like, it adds up. Yeah. And at a certain point, I, I lose my patience with these shows. I feel so I don't, I don't really put that on Miss Marvel because I'm, I still haven't finished Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, but I was enjoying what I watched. And, and I really do like her. I think she stands out from some of the other new additions that mm-hmm. they've had recently. And that's another reason why I wish they didn't change a lot of the stuff, which she even called out as well. Because isn't it funny, this whole idea of, like, oh, she can't stretch her arms? But we about to have the thing. Right. <laughs> Abominable. Right. Hulk. Like, they, they look similar, so it's like, I think people are smart enough to know differences. Especially when you've been giving them many times the same project over and over and over again. I don't think a same-z scenario is an issue there. Uh, I do agree with you, though. Have you ever seen the Mindy Kaling show on Netflix? It's come back, uh, Never Have I Ever? Yeah, uh, yeah I've seen it. I'm curious to see how, you, if you've seen enough of it, to compare, uh, you know, a young Middle Eastern girl in high school, because at the end of the day, it's literally, does it do that effectively, if that's the type of show you want to watch? Or are you just watching this because you have to watch it before Miss Marvels? Right, right. And that's the thing, is I would always I say it's Never at, Have I Ever. I think it almost reaches... You think? I think it does. Cool. Yeah, so that's the the one thing where I would say if it can do that effectively, uh, then it's still being good. I'm very curious to see what you think about the after credits in terms of how it connects to other stuff, but it just reminds me of what we were saying about Thor last week. Thor does not have what Multiverse of Madness had, which is a scene that isn't going to be released until it's out on Disney+. Plus. So if you need to go see that cameo, that movie's going to continue making a billion dollars. Right. Thor ended up dropping 68%. I feel that happens for a lot of these Marvel series as well. Mm-hmm. Where, I, be it the way that they try to train Marvel viewers into just being you know quick and then that's it. Uh, 
what the longevity for a lot of these shows are going right. to be if it's not exactly like if the bi- if the whole point is to set you up then once you've been set up why do you need to go back to the beginning yeah i don't know um we'll see because like there it does phase, phase four is working towards its end so they should be what end what beginning i don't know man every after credit is, is, is a new character that we've not yeah. seen yet we might see him later I, i'm charlie Taylor, and i'll star in one of these four years from now 2025 i'll see y'all later yeah, yeah it's ridiculous but uh, it's it's fine it's good it at least fits the mold mold that uh, a lot of these other ones try to fit yeah. um miss marvel on disney plus uh, there are a couple other Netflix things that we haven't talked about yet. I did not get a chance to catch D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? But this is the latest uh, property to look into the mystery of D.B. Cooper, a man who hijacked a Northwest Airlines flight and escaped with $200,000 only to be never found again yeah. unless... You ask the people in this series. It depends really who you ask you. This is going for four episodes. It's one of the many documentaries where they couldn't cut a cohesive documentary, so they called it a docu-series. It's yeah. four parts, uh, and we have seen stuff who like this. Who needs an editor? <laughs> we saw an HBO version of this called The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. That one pretty much tries to go you know, by the numbers looking at, you know, how did he do this heist, whatever. I'd recommend that one if you kind of want to know the story. This, as I was explaining to you, Zach, is room, the room 237 of the D.B. Cooper docs. Pretty much, it's not looking at his case. It's looking at the people who look at his case and think yeah. they found the person who is D.B. Cooper. So you have like these four different people who they're going by one-on-one going, I believe this is the guy and I've been following him and he refuses to admit it. Admit it, sir. And then there's somebody else who believes the same thing. And then there are people who are only worried that someone's getting closer to finding the real D.B. Cooper, so they do hits on those people. It's, it's about the people who, like, follow Buzz Aldrin around and bother him. That type of stuff. It's yeah. a D.B. Cooper economy more than it is about the man himself. Uh, and at that point, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And then also extremely dumb. Because <laughs> you know a bunch of these people are just harassing mm-hmm. uh, folks for no reason. But, uh, again, I would recommend going to go see the HBO one. This one is it, kind of fascinating to see what happens when something is so cryptic. It reminds yeah. me of, like, Catch Me If You Can. Back in the day when you can just go from point A to point B without that much security, um... Just leaving clues end up being more to your favor because it causes people to think of things that uh, go off course. Because it's clear that he's Canadian. Right. But if that doesn't fit your theory, then you just pretend like that's not a big clue that he left. So it's fascinating to see through these witnesses uh, how they view the case and how they study Mm -hmm. the case. But it's also still just, just some really crazy theories in there. Nonetheless, very fascinating yeah. that they continue to make these. You know, I don't know if this is a weird comparison to make, but just your description of the documentary reminds me of some of the documentaries we've seen recently, um, like uh, You Don't Kill Meme or A Glitch in the Matrix, that maybe like oh try God. to look at a subject by analyzing the people who are almost too invested in it. And yeah. those are both documentaries we, we really did not enjoy. We do not, yeah. is, this isn't quite that level, right? No, because what those documentaries did, it felt like it knew and was better than its subject. Mm-hmm. Um, like almost condescended to them? The ones you mentioned, yes. Yeah. This is kind of like, uh, this is more on that Netflix side of things where they know that they're just 
putting fuel to the fire to these people's crazy theories mm-hmm. and they're going to be in a Netflix doc. This is more akin to like a Tiger King I was King just thinking thing. Tiger there King. You go, yeah. We're really getting the spread of like, it's not just bad documentaries, it's what type of bad <laughs> What is type it? of exploitation exactly. is this? Exactly. Uh, so it's more on that sense. Uh, learn about the guy's story, but you do not need to get it from here. But there was other Netflix stuff. Yes, there was other Netflix stuff. Uh, a somewhat familiar new Netflix stuff in Kung Fu Panda The Dragon Knight, the Kung Fu Panda series, which intriguingly sees the return of many voice actors yep. from the films. Most notably, Jack Black is here voicing Poe, which is really exciting. That's cool. Um, I'm not somebody who has a lot of fondness for the Kung Fu Panda movies. They, I think they came out a little late for me. Mm-hmm. Do, do you like the sh- movies, and what do you feel about the show? I really like the movies. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought three, the most recent one, was pretty was a pretty decent surprise. This is eleven episodes. I don't know if it needs to be eleven episodes. <laughs> uh, you are dealing with this journey uh, where Poe's going to go out into the world yet again, and he's got this whole adventure. Um, at eleven episodes, you do start seeing the quality difference between what a TV series animation is going to receive over you know an actual movie that's going to be out in theaters. Uh, but I, I think. It's the writing that holds it up. We were talking about how the the writers in this are they they have a very good snappy, very contemporary type of dialogue. Uh, there's one moment in episode four where they're like breaking the fourth wall, talking about children's entertainment, and they like practically tell you they're like, "Don't you know children's entertainment is the best way to like form <laughs> the kiddos' minds?" Um, so I, I'd say the best thing that it has going for it is uh, its dialogue and the witty jokes that they're able to say. Uh, again, I got through half of it because I was not expecting it to be that long. But, hey, that's exact. I would rather Netflix continue to make and fund animations like this where you're going to have uh, interesting characters and good scripts, even if the animation is going to suffer a little bit for it, um, than a Marmaduke. So, right. It, this isn't bad. It, it's pretty solid. I don't think it compares to the movies, though. Yeah. So It's definitely, it's, you think, though, like, with all the kids animation that Netflix is putting out, this is maybe like some of the better stuff out there. Yeah, you got 11 episodes of yeah. something that's at least good. Uh, I would rather kids be watching that than a lot of the other stuff that's out there. Um, so yeah, catch this. If you're a Kung Fu Panda fan, this is great for you. I, I think you'll love it if you're a Kung Fu Panda fan. Uh, if you're not, this won't be the thing that like wins you over to say kapow or kachow or whatever he says <laughs> in this one. <laughs> Out on Netflix. All right. More stuff on Netflix, though. Let's talk about Resident Evil. Oh, this one's not the complete opposite right here. <laughs> now, if you're a fan of Resident Evil, do not come to this one. We just had the yeah. movie come out last year. And I was trying to explain to Zach that, you know, you got the games. People still play the games. We're remaking the games at this point, right? Mm-hmm. We're on three. Um, while they continue the original series, we still have the original series of Resident Evil that stars... Uh, is that a girl? Oh, uh, that's Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich, yeah. yeah. They can continue that at any time. We are always looking at the Best Buy thing. The Mila Jovovich series, the box set, has sold out faster than Harry Potter box sets, Game of Thrones box sets. They don't play around. They love it. So why is there another series? The movie was its own thing. That didn't do well. Now Netflix has its own series, and I just don't. I I got two two and a half episodes. I can't give my full judgment yet. Uh, I will say I think it delivers on the violence the gore the kind of look of it uh, if you're seeing some of the frames here i think that they're able to get a creepy aesthetic that i know a lot of people were comparing it to like the cw but i feel it crosses some lines the cw wouldn't but it's also restraints in the way some of those cw shows would where it's mm. trying to uh 
make it a longer series than I guess it needs to be. And it's like, don't you want to focus on these characters that you don't really care about? You're like, I'm here for the zombies. Right. If you're playing the characters as a game, I think you're getting a different reaction and feeling with them uh, than, I guess, something that the Halo show did, that the Uncharted show did, where you're, you're not really gravitating towards these characters in the show as much as you would in a game. But the effects are fine. They're decent. It's better than the movie by a hair. By a hair. So, if you're a fan of Resident Evil, check it out. If you're not, you're good. Save the 11 hours of your time. <laughs> no long episodes, dude. Some of them are oh, over really? an hour. Oof. Over an hour. That's a hard sit for a show that's Why? not, that's kind of mid. Uh, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, that's going to be rough for a lot of people. Eight episodes. But I think it, I think it almost pushes 10 hours right there. Yeah. Uh, I will be finishing it at some point during the week. We'll see. All right. So let us know if anything changes by the time you get around. I don't to think it. so, well, sir. I'm a little upset. My guy Lance Reddick's in it too. Um, yeah, he's cool. I like yeah, him. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got one last series to talk about, and it's over on Hulu. It is Victoria's Secret: Angels and Demons. It's three episodes, I believe. The docu series looking at Another the documentary. the rise and fall Ooh. of Victoria's Secret, the the lingerie company on everybody's mind, and Another look at, a, oh, a bad CEO and all oh, the bad things he did. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think there was necessarily, like, a whole lot here to discuss about, like, the filmmaking. Like, it's it's reporting the story. And if it's a story... They exported the files. Yes, exactly. If you are, are interested in a breakdown of, this is what Victoria's Secret was. This is some of the things that were bad. This is how some people feel about the things that were bad. Like, this has all those things... But it's just so, like, kind of by the numbers that I, there's not a whole lot to even talk about here. At some point in streaming, and this is a Hulu thing, yeah. we took late night... Uh, like 60 Minutes? Not, it's not 2020? even 60 Minutes. Yeah, yeah give me some more. Yeah, Nightline. Nightline, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, And Eightline. said something. There's some line. Someone's going to tell us. Uh, and decided to turn those TV segments into docu-series, documentaries, and I don't know why we continue to give them a pass. Hulu is egregious at this in particular. They post a lot of things. Like, I know they got in trouble for the uh, Astro Fest, the Astro World uh, yeah. Fest, because they were, like, putting that straight up there. And they're like, no, it's news reporting. But they don't pitch it as news. They pitch it like it's a true crime uh, breakdown of something that happened, and they pitch it as its own thing. I agree with you. I think we only saw the first part of this. It plays a lot like the uh, Abercrombie and Fitch doc that we right. just saw on Netflix. Right. It's like, do y'all remember this? Here's the bad stuff that they did, mm-hmm. and it's all bad, no good. <laughs> they, to a point where you almost just like... They use Jeffrey Epstein like Jaws uses the shark. <laughs> like Marvel used Thanos. Yeah. And it was Jeffrey... Like, they stop, they cut yeah. the music, they go to a wide, it's like, y'all need to chill with yeah, this. Yeah, a little bit. Oh my goodness. And no, but they use it how many times they pulled that card. Yeah, and like, not, like just as a tease for, oh, this is coming, keep watching it's the three bad, episodes... Yeah. It, it also does this thing that I've noticed more and more of these cheapo documentaries doing, which I hate it every time, where the actual documentary starts with what's like a trailer for the documentary. And it just, yes! It, it just, Why? to me, shows like the the least no competence, competence yeah. possible in your story. And I don't know if that's the director just trying to hook people, or if that's like Hulu being like, audiences aren't impatient, just show them the good stuff at the beginning. But yeah, it sucks, man. I think, it, yeah, it just, 
shows that they don't have something good in store. <laughs> it's like they're here's the ending of the movie. Yeah. Take it. Uh, but it is a docuseries that's out there. We'll wait for whatever the Sundance version is. Yeah. Or, or when Jennifer Lawrence stars. In exactly. Later on. Yeah, give us a two-hour version, please. please. So that's everything that we've been watching for this week. But we have, out of all those TV shows, those may not make it to the prestige. Well, some of them we actually hope yeah. to, to the prestigious list that is the Emmys. Yeah, the Emmy nominations Woo. came out last week. Haven't had a chance yet to break them down. Uh, but obviously, we have a lot of thoughts. We just put out our best TV shows of the year so far episode, and mm-hmm. many of those shows we mentioned did pretty well here, including Barry, including Severance, including Better Call Saul and Abbott Elementary, uh, but not all of them did. And nope. yeah, there, there's some pretty stunning snubs, I think, too, but it's also, I think it's a little bit hard to get super worked up this year given just how many TV shows were competing for those spots. Yeah, you can still get worked yeah. up. There were some that should have been in there, but I still like what we ended up getting. Yeah. It, it, it's a solid list of stuff. It's a lot of good uh, stuff. I had written down all, this, all the ones that uh, we had not finished yet or had caught up. I like printed out a whole thing. Yeah. Put them out on the whiteboard and since Zach's saying over he comes in, I was like, there's a list of the ones that were missing. He's like, so everything that got nominated. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff, it's man. a lot of stuff. A lot of really good things. Where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, we can talk about some of the snubs if you want, so we can just get into the nominations oh, after yeah. that. But, you know, I think some of the biggest ones for, for me and for uh, people who are the inner cuties who've commented, I, I know a lot of people were upset that Pachinko didn't get in for mm. drama series. And, like, I you know, I think it should have been there. It's definitely better than some of the stuff that we got on there. Like, we... we we like Euphoria, but we're divided on its quality, you know? <laughs> I like Euphoria. Yeah. I agree Str- Stranger Things, it's kind of... Eh, Ozark, I don't think, had the best final season. Like, Pachinko is a like, really quality show. But at the same at the same end, I also understand, like, it's part of that really crowded Apple TV Plus landscape where so... now they're putting out, like, a, a whole show every other week, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, and... It's- do you think that's what it was? Because another one that I would have said besides Pachinko is the Samuel Jackson one. That dude. Yeah, Last Days of Tommy Gray. He was campaigning. Every story that you heard mm-hmm. from the man in the last couple of months, uh, him talking about Star Wars or him not having his Oscar, all literally came from the press run where he was talking about this. Mm-hmm. And it's a limited series where he was six episodes. He's the star, the lead, not one nomination. Yeah, I mean, aside from HBO. It's an Apple show. That's the thing. Aside from HBO, which is pretty good at these things, and Netflix, which also can be pretty good at these things, there aren't a lot of uh, networks who have more than one nomination in the Outstanding Series category, Uh right? Like, Apple has Severance on the drama side and Ted Lasso on the comedy side, and both those shows did extremely, extremely well. But the rest of their catalog, not so much. They didn't really break through. Yeah, you can see it right here. I pulled them up so that you can see the nominations by the networks. And HBO is always going to be the biggest one. So they broke it down here. And this is for the major nominations. HBO Mm -hmm. took 50. It is half for second place. And that's Hulu. That's someone who's coming in from the FX side of the network and, and such, right? Even when you look at the overall right here, 140 nominations for HBO. Um, Apple, 51. It may have to do with that because, honestly, if I'm sticking with the snubs, very upset. They did not have my Wii Crash duo there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the show. Even if the show wasn't going to get something, I am surprised that out of all of the acting categories, 
You didn't get one for him. You didn't get one for uh, Anne Hathaway. And then you don't get Samuel Jackson. And then you don't get anyone from Pachinko. At, at a certain point, I think you're right, it has to do with how Apple campaigned it. Exactly, yeah. They, they must not have put their biggest effort behind that. But it's not the only... Morning Show was out that way. Oh, at Morning Show too, which like... <laughs> what? Maybe that's just oh, they're on Legacy too because uh, they've got those big... Legacy? What do you mean Legacy? We're on two seasons. Ah. <laughs> uh. I mean, Reese got in there again. I Billy Crudup got in there again. That's what gets me. I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't get it. I but. don't know. Um, Julie, Julieta in the live stream pointing out that both The Fallout and Fresh didn't get in for TV movie, uh, which, you know, for Fallout is something that we, I think all of us at least mentioned it during the best movies yeah. of the year so far. What so. did end up getting TV movie, if you don't mind me pulling uh, up for that one right here? <laughs> it's a weird category. Rescue Rangers got in. Which, I don't know, I guess I'm happy about. Um, the Survivor, which was that Ben Foster one where he's playing the sure. boxer in the Holocaust. Good movie, sure. but then you got Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas, which I think is, is the... Is it the playlist? Yeah. So that's a special. That's a BoJack Horseman Christmas special. The Re a... Reno 911, The Hunt for QAnon, These Ray Donovan, The bro. Movie. These are TVs. I don't know. This category has always been really confusing to me. Yeah. I also think they're very disrespectful for it, with it because this isn't even going to be on primetime. This yeah. is a creative Emmys category. Yeah. That's another thing that they'll be doing this year is that they've booted, just like the Oscars, mm -hmm. a lot to the pre-show that may not even be streamed. You're just going to get like segments of it there. I'm at least happy they finally split TV movie and the limited series because yeah. it was always unfair that 90 minutes is facing nine episodes. <laughs> exactly. And even that... Even that could not prevent some huge snubs in the limited or anthology series, oh, including Station Eleven, We Own This City, your number one show of the year so far, Winning Time. It... Only Dope Sick should... That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> Only Dope Sick should be on this thing, and I haven't even finished it. I do yeah. not understand Inventing Anna. The White Lotus is good. We will talk about the White Lotus later, so say your prayers well, we right can now. Say, we can say it right now, I feel like. I like, got something else to say about it. It's in another category. Yeah. It's broad. And but. Yeah, I mean, look, I like The Dropout, but Inventing Anna and Pam and Tommy are nowhere on the level of those other shows that we mentioned. And those other shows are better than The Dropout, are better than what I saw of Dope They Sick. must have had Anna talking for them because she scored way too many for this. There's some stuff about Pam and Tommy as well where if you check their... Um, creative nominations that they got i want you to see this because i'm very curious your thoughts on this right here they had a period category if you check right here for costumes and i'm curious your thoughts on this if your period costumes end up being uh contemporary for pam and tommy hmm. what year is pam and tommy 90s? Yeah, what when what period? What defines period, I guess? They are nominated for contemporary when it's Pam and Tommy, but when it's the um the impeachment one, the first lady, it's considered a period. This yeah. one I get cuz you're going back to the 60s, but you do have uh right here. Impeachment is contemporary even though it's also in the 90s. Right. Whereas Pam and Tommy is a period piece, and it takes place practically in the same year. Yeah. And Pam and Tommy will also, when it comes to costumes, be in contemporary, even though it was just in period. So it gets to play both. Yeah. I mean, at that point, that's campaigning, right? Like That is campaigning to a degree that I just want viewers to yeah. understand the intricacies to go, why didn't this get... 
it is way worse than you think it is. Which leads me to the White Lotus thing. There yeah. is a new rule for limited series anthology where this cannot be a cheat code where you get a series to be nominated even though it's going to have a second season. The reason they do that is because why the hell would you go up against the... Yeah. Yeah, let me pull up the outstanding. If you're a comedy series, right, like The White Lotus, you don't want to face actual series that are out there. So you're like, I'll just call it a limited series. Uh, you don't want to face the outstanding drama series. Call it a limited series. And then right at the end, after campaigning for the easier slot, they do a season two. Loki is a limited series with a season two. White Lotus, according to the rules, should not qualify because it's not just that it's an anthology. You will be following the same characters. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Emmys went. Oh, we didn't clear that up a bit. You guys will be able to like kind of do uh, a different format of it. Yeah, I almost wonder if they like submitted it before they knew. But they knew. Uh, yeah, Marvel's been playing this game too. So that's that's yeah. my big thing is that a lot of it is the way that they're able to campaign for things and finagle awards that they should not be getting. Marvel's a genius at that. Um, that a lot of these other shows have been getting really smart with it too. American Horror Story, Fargo, those are different, in my opinion. Those are actual anthology right. series. Yeah. These other things are are stuff that just don't want to compete with the <laughs> the actual people. So we'll see how that works. Two very popular shows that have been nominated in the past did, that did not get series nominations are Atlanta for a comedy series wow. and The Boys for a drama series. Are you a little more surprised by either one of those? I feel like Atlanta because it's one. Mm-hmm. For The Boys, is it because it was still running? No, I mean, I think it technically was eligible. And not eligible for next year? Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't think it's their strongest one, but you know I really wanted Anthony Starr to get some. Yeah, that that yeah. is surprising. It's got a nomination in the past, you said? Yeah, it, okay. it's been nominated, I think, a few times. That's interesting. I wonder if that hurts it in the long run, uh, not keeping up there. But uh, out, out of the stuff for the dramas, what do you like? What don't you like? I agree with you with Euphoria and Stranger yeah. Things. I mean, it just, it wasn't Euphoria's strongest season. So even though we enjoy watching it. makes it, sense, though. Yeah, yeah. That big. It, it, that's the thing. It is such a huge show. But, like, is that the reason we're nominating things out? Is it just because everybody watched Inventing Anna? It's got to be in there, too. Yeah, because everybody... Stranger Things. And, <laughs> and Squid Game up there. Yeah. I mean, like, it's been so long since Squid Game. I can't believe it. This should yeah. be the end, right? Does it? I think this is the final award oh, show. That goodness. is, yeah. Uh, what a smart release, then. Yeah, right. You, you know? got it right at the beginning of the cycle. It, yep. Yeah, keep everybody excited for the reality show and then season two. Um, I don't know. I mean, Squid Game. You know, I I don't think it's necessarily the strongest show, but on a phenomena basis, I can't really argue sense. with it. Severance obviously up, it deserves to be up there. We've talked a, plenty off stream about how you need to catch up on Better Call Saul. And it's Succession. It's Nobody's going to argue about that. Yellow Jackets 2 was a huge phenomenon. So like, it's Successions and everyone else can go. Oh, yeah. It is pretty much Succession. I mean, I could, six- see, I could see Severance if Apple TV is really on their campaign game, right? And coming off of Coda, if they're... If they know how That's to run these things. the worst thing that can happen for Severance. Yeah, because it's an exciting it's show, but it doesn't mean... It's the worst thing that could happen for Severance. Yeah. I would hate that. But I feel you. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a steal. Mm-hmm. You uh, you wouldn't be happy if Better Call Saul matches. I would be happy. I just don't expect it. They have been pretty uh, hesitant to give it some of these bigger awards. It's I never think a won, lot of, right? It's it's never won the big award. Yeah, and it was only until this year that Rhea Seahorn, who was amazing on that show, 
Uh, she didn't get nominated. Finally got that nomination for Supporting Actress in a Drama this year. We can talk about that category a little bit, too, if you sure. want to. Because it is absolutely stacked. I was telling you that Sadie Sink was uh, trending on Twitter the day of the nominations. Because all those Stranger Things fans really wanted her to get in. And, and to them I ask, get in for who? Like, look at this category. Let me tell you right here. It's a lot. It's a lot of really big talent. It's big shows. You, you've you got a couple Succession stars on there. Christina Ricci from Yellow Jackets. Everybody, everybody's love from that show. I like Sydney. I like Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. That's the thing. Sydney's maybe, really good on Euphoria. The bathtub shot. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough category. It's a tough category. Extend it. Make it bigger. <laughs> I mean, it's already eight. <laughs> Make it ten. <laughs> right. No, it is stacked. I, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just tough and like I don't know I we both like the season of Stranger Things I still don't think it's a show that's necessarily about the acting. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, if it's gonna get a big award like uh, for drama, I think it should be able to pick up for some of the other stuff. It just sucks. Yeah. Count it out there uh, for lead actor or supporting actor. Sorry. We going uh, drama? Yeah, sticking with the drama acting categories. Yeah. So we have a couple people from Severance, a couple people from Succession, a couple people from Squid Game, and then the boy, Billy Crudup, Morning Show. I love Billy Crudup. What's going on with that show? That's That Apple campaign. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, this one right here is the one with, yeah, with Matthew McFarland. It's his, and I don't want to hear anybody else. If he, This is probably the one category where I'm actually invested in his win. Everything else can go sideways, can disappoint me. This is the one time where I will actually be upset. If he doesn't get his due for what he did in season three. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you, but I also feel like oh. with those three succession guys there, that's going to be tough. I, like, Kieran's going to get a lot of votes too. Sure. But Matthew should get the most, is he all should. I'm saying. He should, absolutely. Uh, do you, n- nobody else from Severance? I mean, it's John Turturro and Christopher Walken who are We're good. Are good. I don't really know why Christopher Walken's there. He, it, He's barely partners, a supporting actor. They're partners. They support each other all the way to the end. No, but I, feel, I agree with you. I, don't, I didn't get that yeah, either. Yeah. Uh, and then going to the leads, starting with actress. Yeah, so this is where uh, I think we should mention that Selena Gomez is the only one of the only murders in the building trio who didn't get nominated here. And I, there were some people saying, like, oh, why should they get nominated but she not but it it is separate categories right so she's not competing against Martin Short and Steve Martin she's competing against Jodie Comer Laura Linney Melanie Linsky she would be comedy though right Uh, oh you're right that would be comedy my bad bad. we'll bring that back Um, um, I agree with you on that one Uh, sticking to the the drama side of it though the actresses still stacked dude Jodie Comer for Killing Eve Sandra Oh for Killing Eve oh yeah they both got nominations for acting, but the show didn't. Well, I mean, I think people pretty much think the show has gone downhill, but that they're still good actors. Really? I, yeah. I, I am usually like Stranger Things getting the nom, but not the acting, I feel is usually makes more sense to me than. It does. I think it's a little bit just that people love them so much and like they were so good that they're still playing the characters that people love that they. It's hard for people to let go of gotcha. some of that stuff, okay. right? Uh, are you rooting for them in this category over anybody else? I know Zendaya was able to take it a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, weirdly, I feel like she's the frontrunner still here because, like, what, are they going to give it to Reese Witherspoon for a show that nobody likes? Like, Hell even fans no. of The Morning Show think the most recent season sucked. 
Killing Eve would be pretty cool though. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm, I'm a little surprised to see even see Melanie Linsky in here. Like I I'm liked surprised her, too. but yeah, it, it's a not the flashiest of the performances. Good on for the her. Jackets. I like the supporting that uh, got nominated, but yeah, I was really surprised to see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the leads, Jason Bateman, Ozark, Brian Cox, Succession, top of mind. Uh, Lee Jung Jae for Squid Game, Bob Odenkirk, Adam Scott, and Jeremy Strong. I'm, I'm sticking with Brian Cox. Yeah, I mean, I love J- Brian Cox. Jeremy Strong had a really good season. Yes, he did, but he already took it from Pops already. <laughs> so it's time for him to bring it back. We got, we got the, the whole power part. struggle? Yeah, because yeah. he won it when he thought he was getting the one up, and now that the events have occurred, yeah. I think it should be Brian. Throwing this out there, I, I said it for series. Who? Adam Scott? Stop, bro. Stop with the seven. He's not song. competing with somebody from his own show. I don't think he's the best performance in the show. Yeah. For Severance. So if there was a Severance win, I would rather it go. Was she nominated? I didn't even check that. Patricia Arquette was none of the other actors. Oh, what? no, no. Turturro and Walken. But yeah, none of the other but actors. But not the uh, the main lead? I don't the... think. He- Heli or whatever? I yeah. don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, that's terrifying. Okay. Leading into the comedy stuff, I have opened, uh, starting with the leads, Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. I thought was also pretty stacked. Yeah. Very surprised to see Quinta in there. I'm not going to lie. I was really happy and excited to see Abbott in series. Mm-hmm. But the acting now, scoring right. that was impressive. I mean, I think that combined with Janelle James, who got nominated in Supporting Actress, combined yeah. with Tyler James Williams, which that was the one that really surprised me, that he got the Supporting Actor nomination. I think that officially kind of says, like, this is a an Emmy's darling. This is going to be here for a while. That's, that's pretty big. Like, this is maybe, like, New Modern Family in terms of, like, the... the network sitcom that gets a lot of those nominations so yeah i mean it's great for her she was i think the first black woman to get three emmy nominations on the same really? award show because she writing, got directing. writing producing uh uh acting oh good for her uh i don't think she's the strongest here it's still going to my girl jean smart she killed it in the first season mm-hmm. rightfully got that award i think she's they're both just as good in the second season uh that's my pick to win but it's cool to see me. uh Issa get one for the final season of Insecure yeah. as well um yeah, I was thinking maybe there could be some Issa support, but I, I don't know if Insecure... This, this is late dues already. So. Yeah, I kind of feel like the nomination is her yeah. acknowledgement, right? Uh, going to lead actor. This here, uh, Donald Glover's nomination, the only major nom for Atlanta, which we mentioned, got blanked. He's not even the biggest one he's in got, season four. He's got 15 lines across 10 ep- episodes. Like, Thank you. You <laughs> yeah. got the stats right there. That makes no sense to me. Like, it like, should be Brian. Right, Brian Tyree Henry, or know. even Lakeith, who's all... I mean, I think for this most recent season, Brian Tyree was the one who stood out to me. But it's, again, part of the weird thing with the season three where so much of it were these one-off episodes. Could uh, Zazie have been guest? Right. Because like, they're if, playing that game now. Yeah, if, if you really want to play that game... She's guest. Just give it to her for episode her 10. Her She's guest. so good on yep. it. Uh, uh, but yeah, here's where we got Steve Martin and Martin Short. Uh, for this category... Just say it, bro. This category, I think, has got to be Bill Hader. It's Bill Hader. Yeah. I think he, I think he's found a way to make his comedy show into the most dramatic, to a lot of people, not funny, mm-hmm. very almost dreadful series, like you said, about violence and right. the repercussions of violence. So you can finally go, like, see, comedy actors can act. <laughs> it's almost like he's doing everything in his yep. power to put himself in positions. I, I like calling it the, um, what's his name, Jim from The Office? Oh, Krasinski? The Krasinski effect, where yeah. he did everything in his power to stop being the office meme that he was, so he mm-hmm. took every military role possible, put himself in the Fantastic Four spandex. Bill Hader has effectively done that in three seasons, not just for himself, but the biggest freaking snub. Uh, she would have been lead, right? We just discussed lead. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, well, maybe she would have been supporting. I, I think she's she she should have been a winner, in my opinion. Yeah, the, Sarah it's Goldberg. a spoiler for the final frame, but Sarah Goldberg freaking killed it. Oof. Yeah, th- that's that, what I'm talking about. The, all that, you need to see is that one scene from episode eight. She is not the same person from season one. No, she drastically changes to the second season, and by the end of three, after everything she's gone through in her auditions and uh, her show. She she put in the work. I'm very surprised to not see her on here. Especially given how many people get nominated in supporting actress, if that's the category for her. There's too many Ted Lasso's in here, dude. Right? Like Sarah Niles, like I, I liked her performance on Ted Lasso, but she's like I barely like she's but she's like barely even supporting actress. That's so weird. She would have been my favorite out of the other two. I'm not I'm gonna be I, honest with you. The other two were fantastic in season yeah. two. They weren't that great in season three. Yeah. She had her they both had their climax in season two. At least Sarah Niles brought something new to it. You're true. You're right. I am keeping both of the uh, Abbots. Uh, Hannah for Hacks remains. Uh, I like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't understand the Kate McKinnon one. Why are we nominating variety sketch shows? Has that always been the thing? It, they, they haven't gotten a lot of nominations. That was her spot. In, in, that recent, was her recent, spot. Years, in recent years, SNL has been getting more of these supporting nominations. I don't really... Because uh, Bone Yang, I think, also... Bone Yang did. Kate McKinnon's gotten this in the past, too. I mean, I, I think it's cool to acknowledge people when they award. are doing really good work, but yeah, it, d- it does feel a little bit separate. And also, like, Kate McKinnon's not doing her best work on SNL anymore. During this period of time? No. It makes me want to ask you, in that scenario where she gets to play a variety of characters versus these people playing one character, how does that make you feel about something like the movie Men having Rory Kinnear play multiple characters? Does that constitute a performance nomination? I think so, yeah. Like, I think that's one... You know, I think it's limited series versus a movie. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's, it's, this is the problem with the Emmys, right? Is like, how many categories are you going to fracture this into? Like, because at one point, are, are you just nominating people for like best performance on SNL? You know? <sighs> well, yeah, that's called the variety sketch room since it's always just <laughs> SNL versus Black Lady Sketch Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's still a good lineup here. I just would have really loved to have seen, um, Sarah Goldberg from Barry. She's very good good in that that season. Yeah, and then Anthony Kerrigan and Henry Winkler got nominated too. And she didn't is like a little surprising. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sucks. Talking about that supporting actor category though, uh, you got the two Barry guys, you got three Ted Lasso guys, Bowen Yang, Tony Schlub, and Tyler James Williams. Um, For Ted Lasso, so he did actually do a good job, and even Nick, because I still hate him. We we can't see his face. He was in a short at a festival where like, you did a really good job in season three because you, I hate you. Yeah. You disgusted me. So very good job on him. Uh, yeah, Tyler James Williams. That was a surprise right there. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it solidifies Abbott. Uh, I got to give it to Anthony Kerrigan because yeah. I told you that I know that he's been everyone's, Noho Hank's been everyone's favorite. It took me until season three to be like, you know what? There's something about this guy that. It's also that this year it took, really like. it took a guy who literally was just a joke character and I gave never him, took him serious, yeah. so much depth. Mm-hmm. Like that, that scene again, going to episode eight, is so frightening and it's all off of his reaction. I'm going to go with the scene with him and the baker. <laughs> with the big yay dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good picks right there. Anything else from the outstandings? <sighs> oh, guest actors, I guess. Uh, because we yeah. did want to make a note. We'll do the actors first and then yeah. what we really liked about the actresses. Uh, luckily, nobody was nominated for their 15-minute screen time uh, <laughs> as was in previous years, but I will say Sam Richardson. Really good job on Ted Lasso. Yeah. I know the late Nathan Lane episode in Only Murders in the Building was one of the standouts. But did, do you remember the Bill Hader 
Tamora Tigor. He's so funny. He ate that episode yeah. up. This is one of those nominations that, like, I wasn't expecting it, but it's so deserved, it's and I'm such glad a good that one. somebody yeah. thought of it. Like, I really do think the other two are better. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more depth in Nathan Lane's and Sam Richardson yeah. than in what how they affect the story. Bill Hader does nothing to the story. He's just three different people who may or may not be related in this Curb episode. This, but this shows Bill Hader so good because you get the uh, amazing comedic performance and the amazing what, dramatic performance in the comedy. Better. It's fantastic. Yeah. I would, uh, highly recommend it. I also do like the shout out to Gerard Carmichael. I'm rooting for him uh, for the special. That would be a show. I think yeah. it's not even close. The other people he's nominated with, but uh, his hosting gig, probably my favorite of the last year mm-hmm. off of SNL stuff. Yeah. Uh, the other hosting gig that didn't get nominated that a lot of people were surprised by was Ariana DeBose. A lot of people thought she would get in too for that one. She was also a good host. But she was very good. Her and Gerard were. But I saw her Tony performance, bro, and she cut off the dude from, what's the, the play we've been talking about? Strange Loop? Yeah, yeah, Strange Loop. Trying to give a final talk and they cut the mic and then she comes out and performs for like three minutes. It's like medley she did and I was like, girl, you did not just <laughs> cut the winner off to do this. And everyone just had to sit there <laughs> as they escorted everybody else out and I was just like, oh, Come on. But yeah, she, hers, hers was pretty good. Um, nobody got it in the acting. Nobody from SNL. Instead, it was, uh, well, you had pointed out, a stacked guest performances from Hex. Yeah. And I don't even know who my favorite one is. I know. It's tough. Jane Adams is so good as She's her mom. really good. Our our girl, Harriet Sanson Harris. Killed Hilarious. I, I think it's between Laurie Metcalf or Caitlin Olsen, though. Lori had like two, three episodes. Yeah, it was playing two. The, uh, the, the bus the, driver. The, the, yeah, for the tour bus. But she's such a complete character from the second she shows up. There's something about the back and forth that she did with Harriet, though, as being the ex comedians. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's really good. And then uh, Jane Adams, I think, was the best in this season, mm-hmm. as she's been throughout all the other ones. And she's dealt with a death. But yeah. it's the way that she's pitching the, the like, what is it, the vitamins or yeah, something yeah. to her daughter. Uh, watch Hacks if you. You listen to the podcast, you know that. Yeah, and like, how could they think about canceling a show that gets this many nominations? Hey, luckily they didn't, but we'll see how they have to retread all that stuff because it it was a really good finale. Yeah, non-finale. I think that's everything for the comedy series. Was there any other stuff for the drama series? Uh, Not a whole lot. I don't know if we have any like comments from people that we should uh, look at. I mean, some people are mentioning Brett Goldstein, who got nominated too for Ted Lasso. Definitely one of my favorites in that category. Um, a lot of people shouting out Hater because, like, man, just an incredible season. And it's hard to deny how great Barry is, not just uh, in front of the camera, but behind the camera. I think he uh, ended up getting some writing nominees. Yes, he did. And, and directing as well. Really quick, because you had mentioned um, uh, Only Murders. Yeah. Who's she replacing off this? Right. Well, is this supporting or is this lead? Because she's probably lead. My apologies. Yeah. She is lead. But even... Who's she... Who's she... Who? Who's she, who? Man, like, I can't even say Kaylee Cuoco, bro. Right? Like, I I would say Kaylee Cuoco, but that's because I'm not, like, watching Flight Attendant right now. She's great on that show. We just saw season one. Yeah, she does exactly what she's supposed to do in that show. I don't know. Maybe Issa, because I don't think Six was the biggest one. It's the biggest one for Issa. Right. She's ending a show. But the character, uh, I I thought she did a lot more in the previous seasons. Like, The Great is one of those nominations that's a more surprising here, but Elle Fanning is so good on The Great that I don't want to put take her off of this list either I I kind of think these are better performances than Selena's unfortunately yeah yeah 
Uh, the guest actors for Succession, uh, yeah, actors so and actresses, they were not playing around. Four out of six <laughs> slots for guest actor and three now. out of six for guest actress? Come on now. But it just goes to show, like, people show up on this show and they're given these fastballs. And, like, it's undeniable. It? It, it's, um, it, that's why it's, that's ultimately why you know Succession has the title belt. Arian Moyet should not be. I think he's a reoccurring character. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm so... To- it's Alexander Skarsgård for me. It has to he's be. He's so good. Coleman Domingo was not in season two of Succession. He was in 1B or whatever you want to of call it. Of Euphoria. This, sorry, Euphoria. Yeah. He was in the special. And that special aired last cycle. So all I'm saying is, what's he doing in this? Or did he come out in season two and I'm, and I'm blanking on this? I don't remember... Take it back everything I said. I am wrong. He, he comes did. in that one episode and he takes care of them and he cooks and everything. Okay. He does. Okay. He deserves it. I apologize, Coleman Domingo. Yeah, Coleman Domingo is also one of those guys who's gotten to a point where I think people just want to give him stuff. And I don't have any don't issues with that. I have no great. issue with that either. I don't know why yeah. I brought that up. Coleman Domingo, congratulations. I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, easily. Yeah. That and in Atlanta, two times where, yeah. where Alex appears for no reason. And no one's it. Yeah, no one's asking him <laughs> to go this hard and he does. Uh, the guest actresses was the same thing. Succession just said uh, we'll be taping that, and they did. I don't know if you had a standout out of here. I'm I actually mean, going Euphoria. That, that's what I was about to say. Martha Kelly, like, I'm actually it, going Euphoria. She's the maybe the standout character from season two of Euphoria. I think you got to give it to her. Yeah, yeah. Everything she appears in now, I just see her character in Euphoria. I yeah. don't know if that's her acting. I don't know if that's because she played it so well that I'm I'm going that right there. Yeah. Uh, all right, what else we got? I mean, I think that's mostly it. Is there a show that you're hoping uh, takes best comedy out of the ones that are up there? Ooh. I mean, I guess it's Barry, right? For me, yeah. I think it has to be Barry. I think the worst thing that can happen to a lot of these shows would be to win the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess more so for Abbott Elementary. Not that I don't want it to win, but just the idea of like it being its first thing. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to... Over- I feel like it already overly gets the hate for its 100% Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, so... That's my only worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it's Berries. Berries is fantastic. I would also go for Hacks, getting a default there. Ted Lasso, I think, has been very overplayed at this point. You and I yeah. are not as big fans of number two. Yeah, I mean, like, it's still good, but so I don't good. think it's necessarily the best. Outstanding and I would comedy. be surprising if it won, and that that would truly be a huge signal of Apple's strength as a campaigner. Um, I'm really happy that What We Do in the Shadows got in here, because cool. it didn't end up getting any acting nominations. I do think it got some writing, but, like... Uh, to me, that's just the the funniest show on TV right now. Uh, for dramas, Succession, I take it. Yeah, easily. Yeah, no second, no second. Oh, Severance, sorry. Yeah, that I was keep the, saying Severance. The Succession Severance uh, the thing we had. <laughs> and then limited uh, anthology. Yeah, I mean, I think <sighs> it feels like it's White Lotus. I I think it's gonna be White Lotus. I think I enjoyed the White Lotus most of all these shows too. E- yeah, well, out of the shows that I have to finish Dope Side. Category like Fraudicide. Category Fraudicide. From all of them, practically. Yeah. <laughs> if they do Dropout Season 2, you know I'll be really upset. Because none of these are going to be yeah. limited series at that point. But I'm rooting for Dope Sick, but White Lotus got directing. Writing. They seem pretty set. Yeah. Uh, the final thing I wanted to tally up here, because I know you'd be such a big fan of this. <laughs> Marvel picking up multiple stuff yet again. This mm-hmm. is their Season 2 after... Mm-hmm getting so much for uh, the WandaVision era. They have Hawkeye with two, Loki with six, Moon Knight with eight, <laughs> What If with three. 
Like I said, Loki is filming season two. I don't understand how it's a limited series, but neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean that's that's also like money and production budgets getting a lot of that, right? Like it's they they didn't get the top of the line nominations. They got those technical ones. Cause it's still they, a nom though. Yeah, but like I I think I I hold it less against the production designers who actually do some good work on those shows. Like some of those shows have good costume work and, and makeup work. And, and the limited real series deserves those awards. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, you're right. But, no, it it's a pretty stuck list. I would highly recommend uh, printing out or gathering a bunch of the stuff uh, and seeing what you have in common, because for the most part, I'd say that a lot of these are pretty good recommendations. Anything that got a top award, I think, is worth you catching up on. Uh, and like I said, the Creative Emmys are going to be the first ones aired on that Sunday. I think I had the date over here. It's going to be in September. Mm. So you have until September 12th to catch up on all of these shows nice. that are streaming um, and it should be interesting. HBO always coming up on top. Pretty much just get yourself an HBO subscription. You'll see right there. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if you're talking about it from that sense, this is, if uh, awards are your, like, gauge for mm. what what you should have, then, yeah, it should go HBO, Hulu, then Netflix, and Apple. All coming up with consistent stuff. Nice. All right, so why don't we wrap this weekend must-watch up with a look at the new-to-see, looking ahead to movies and TV coming out the following week. Uh, starting with tomorrow, July 19th, Hulu drops the ABC News and Sundance alum documentary Aftershock. This was, I think, one of our standouts from Sundance. A very emotionally affecting look very at good. the uh, at the just basically terrible uh, aspects of our maternal health care, particularly uh, the maternal health care uh, afforded to black women in this country and particularly given you know what's going on in the news it this is a vital documentary just to see like the the consequences of ignoring and belittling the needs of pregnant women particularly yeah. pregnant women of color um so i would highly highly recommend you check out aftershock that was if not the best documentary i saw at sundance then one of the best three top five for sure yeah. it's gonna be on who uh, Facing Nolan, which is a documentary we caught at South by Southwest this year. It's going to be on VOD, and this one takes a look at... Is he the best pitcher of all time? Is that like a... Yeah, that, I mean, you're never going to get the top, but he's always going to be the At least in the part. argument. And according to him and Nolan his production Ryan, over here, right? he, might <laughs> he as also well be. as well believes it. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this was like an okay look at his career. You yeah. know, it's not... It's a pretty standard profile documentary, and it, you know, especially if like you know a young person who's interested in baseball, like this is probably a good documentary. Yeah, uh, this is what VOD. They they yeah. should have picked this up for like ESPN, put it in the Hulu stuff because yeah. they tried re releasing this as a uh, Fathom event. No one was going to pay nah, fifty. Nah. No. This should be a thirty for thirty or something. Yeah, but it, it's fine. Good little recap of the man. Oh, not as good as thirty for thirties, but uh, also on. Tuesday, Love Island USA comes to Peacock. So, uh, this is the U.S. version you of the British it? show Love yeah. Island. No, I've never caught like everything I've heard about it seems like it makes it's a terribly entertaining show, but one that will actively make me hate humanity. So I've avoided it. What, what do you know about Love Island? I know very Nothing. little. Nothing. What Island. I know is that I pay for Peacock, and the emails that they're sending me. Has nothing new coming out. Just so many. Like, it's just reality shows or, or something else. Yeah, yeah it, I, it pretty much feels like every streaming service: HBO, Netflix, Peacock, Paramount, and got theirs yet. But you know they're gonna do it eventually. Is just these like cheap reality shows where they send 
hot looking people on vacation and then they just do crazy <laughs> stuff and then people eat it up rinse wash repeat yeah it's out there i'm peacock now uh going to july 21st fx's american horror stories mm. not our story this is not a anthology series, but a weekly anthology spin-off. Oh, it's an anthology within the anthology. Yeah, Damn, bro. It's anthologyception Don't here. anthology a year. Anthology every single <laughs> exactly, week you come back. Exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so it, one-off episode horror stuff from the the great greater Ryan Murphy cinematic universe. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I've never been a big American Horror Story guy. Where are you? I've never caught up on them. The people ask me to. Uh, probably one of the most requested series that we've yeah. gotten. So people maybe this this I've heard great things. Yeah. People really like the creepiness of it. So I'll have to check out these. They're not even shorter, are they? Nope. No. Okay. I'll have to check these out. 45 uh, minutes instead of the 50. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, a couple new movies hitting VOD. Good, goodbye, Petruska. And he's watching. I don't know if you know much about either of those. Excuse me. Uh, both of these are just kind of like independent films that seem to have gotten pretty good wherever they've gotten their release stuff from. Uh, he's watching, in particular, looked like a decent little horror movie uh, where someone's watching them. Yeah. And they don't realize that after putting a bunch of pranks on each other that the stuff that may be happening around the house may not be a prank, but somebody coming after them. <laughs> uh, and then Goodbye Petrushka. Uh, supposed to be this girl who just on an impulse moves to New York City. So hmm. if you're interested in any of those, why does the poster well? look like Emily in Paris? I think that's the I don't know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the data said to to put it as. Right. Uh, this I, one's interesting. Bro. I was pretty intrigued by this on HBO Max, a new series directed by Ethan Hawke. This one's called The Last Movie Stars, and it fo- it follows. Uh, the lives of Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman. I like this, bro. Yeah, this I mean, really good. you know, Ethan Hawke, if you've ever heard him talk about film and cinema, like, he's a guy who really, he's really... He's a nerd, va- bro. Yeah, really values the, the artistic uh, contributions that, you know, the wor- that you get from the world of film. Like, the value of these things, that more they're more than just indulgences. They are the ways to learn about life, if you mm-hmm. ask a guy like Hawke. So, for him... Somebody who also knows what it means to be a movie star to talk about like what made those classic stars different, like put them on that different level. I'm I'm just very very curious to see what he's gonna do here. I'm, I'm very curious. This also premiered at South by so mm-hmm. some pretty good push coming out of it. The last movie stars on HBO. A couple new Shutter releases, uh, Moloch, as well as This Is Gwar. I think Moloch is a horror film, whereas This Is Gwar is a documentary about the heavy metal art collective monster band. Do you know about these guys, Gore. You know what? Like, six, seven years ago, I was in Richmond, Virginia, and there is a place called Guar Bar there, which is a bar themed around the band Guar. Pretty good burgers there, too. Interesting. Yeah. They, they seem familiar, but I, I don't know. It, it's very interesting design. It's like Kiss the Next stuff. Level or something. Next, yeah. next, next. Next level. Yeah. yeah well, I'll have to check this out. A lot of interesting talking heads in it as well. Then on Friday, July 22nd, in theaters, we're getting Alone Together. This is a movie written by and starring Katie Holmes, Nay Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> this one also stars Jim Sturgis, Derek Luke. Dosha Mamet and Melissa Leah. I'm kind of curious to see uh, what writer-director Katie Holmes wants to put out into the world. You never booked an Airbnb, and oh no, someone else is in this Airbnb. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, also on Friday, My Old School Hits Theaters. This was one of the very few Sundance movies this year that we did not get to catch. Yep, we... I'm still excited to catch it, but you had a chance to. I think you have like 24 hours to catch the link before it gets out of here. Right. Yeah, so the idea being is that you have this guy who was named Brandon Lee, enrolled in the school. He does not appear in the documentary. He only speaks in the documentary. And they got, uh, who was it, Alan? Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming to voice the guy by lip-syncing his entire <laughs> dialogue because at one point Alan Cumming was supposed to play him in a movie before it got canceled. So this person, this old classmate, has some very interesting stories, and this is the only time that's being put into a feature film that's also going to be a documentary. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty interesting. It, a lot of people have been calling it a slow burn, but I think it's because you're really just getting a bunch of talking heads. They explain something, and then it turns into an animation of said events, or they'll cut into like a, a shot of it. You can see right there what the animation kind of looks like uh, as they're trying to like look back at who this guy was. Was he really who he said he was? Uh, where did he come from? What were his intentions? And it makes you kind of look at the documentary from a different uh, yeah. point of view by the end of it. But I would recommend it. I thought it was pretty good. It's fun being in the same room with you. You like get to throw things up on the big screen, screen for and me. You it's get like to a see big presentation. It, yeah. I Usually it's... Take some time off, fly back. <laughs> What's the, the dial-ups going through <laughs> trying to see if you can get the link on the other yeah. side? But yeah, so I, I would recommend this one. Uh, not one of the best stocks out of Sundance, but still probably would have been it in my... Seems intriguing, though. Top, top something, top yeah. 15 of it. Uh, I would check it out. Uh, also, on Friday, the Nan movie. This one is written by Catherine Tate and Emmy nominee, Brett Goldstein. Hercules himself. He wrote this? He wrote the Co-wrote this. All right. Yeah. Uh, featuring the famous Nan character. Yep. So, I'm sure there are people who are very excited for this one. It looks fun, and we, we just got the link, so... Um, oh, we'll, right, we'll be then. back with some thoughts next week, hopefully, on it. She, that's like a reoccurring character. She, yeah. She was right? Okay. Um, although, I don't know if she's been done a movie before. No, I think, I think that's why that's why it was the Nan movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think it was just like series or something, but yeah. interesting. Good for him on writing. Uh, but the big one, bro. The big one. People, again, are clearing out the way for Jordan Peele. I'm glad that Jordan Peele's on like the same level as a new Marvel movie, that no, and, or Tom Cruise. No one wants to open up against him. Uh, and this is probably the biggest Jordan Peele movie yet. Easily, it's it's been hyped for a long time. I haven't been able to see a movie in months without seeing the trailer for this. Nope, Jordan Peele doing something involving aliens. It looks like it's according reportedly, supposedly, we will be watching this tomorrow. tomorrow. We're watching it together. Yeah, we're either going to be very disappointed together, <laughs> or our minds will be blown. I already told Zach, depending on maybe how both. good this is, maybe both, right? Wouldn't that be the... Depending on how good this is, this is a movie that's being released in its full, glorious IMAX 143 ratio. Let me pull this up right here. Let me get some nerd facts on you. Let me go all Ooh. Ethan Hawke Ooh. on you over here. When you get to the tech specs, this is the thing that you're looking for here, right? Every movie theater, you're going to be able to get that right there. And even that, it's not 239, it's 22. That means he's got aliens in this. He wants you to see the whole frame. So why wouldn't you go even taller? This, in most IMAXs, you can go see this. Every time I recommend IMAX, it's in this right here, one nine. It's that beautiful, just full screen. But this is special right here. Uh, some of y'all know that I traveled to go see Dune in this one four three ratio, all the way down to Texas because I was the only place that had it. There are very specific theaters. You got to go to IMAX.com to see if they could even play it like this. Some of us have it in our backyard. <laughs> some of us used to have it. 
Um, but I will be making my way to a real IMAX theater to go see this. If it's good, come tomorrow. Um, I've been disappointed in a movie in a long time, and that's usually because I don't put any investment mm-hmm. into it. You know, I'm just cold-hearted. Uh, what's her name in uh, Spider-Man says you can't be disappointed if you don't expect it or whatever. I'm putting all my eggs in the basket, bro. I'm really banking on this one, and you know how I feel about yeah. us. I think Get Out is a masterpiece. It gets better every single time I watch it. Us gets worse every single time I watch it. That's just me. Yeah. There's a lot of like in that yeah. movie. Um, I mean, look, this in some ways, even even if you're a person who thinks that Us is very good, this in some ways is kind of like a break, make or break movie for Jordan Peele in terms of his reputation as like this iconic visions of, of horror and sci-fi genre kind of guy, right? Like a lot of people have compared him to M. Night Shyamalan who had these amazing, huge movies at the beginning of his career this could be Peel's sign. Oh Signs. Goodness. And that that is a good thing or a bad that thing is, to some people, yeah. but like I would be personally excited if this was his signs. Oh, another one, let me keep it over here. It's that twelve track audio that you only Ooh. get in the new IMAX Ooh. theaters. Bro, many don't go up they don't go up to six. This is twelve tracks. This is a movie specifically meant to be seen in theaters and specifically shot in IMAX. I don't know if you've seen those posters for the IMAX. Oh man, I hadn't seen stuff like that. It's <laughs> it's like just exclusive stuff, um, showcasing that they shot it completely on those cameras. They gave him the money for it, dude. That is not something cheap. Yeah, right there. Uh, IMAX those, is those, no uh, joke. It costs a lot. Chris and Nolan cameras. Yeah, look at it. It's so beautiful with the with the all colored up right there. Shot with IMAX camera. I am so excited for this. I really hope it delivers, and I hope it makes it worth the trip. <laughs> we will see. Uh, all right, so a bunch of new movies and TV to watch this weekend. But, Art, what are your picks for the week? My picks for the week, starting off with the streaming stuff, I am sticking to Netflix where we have a bunch of horror movies and series, but only one that you should be checking out because it is super creepy. A little bit of a slow burn, but that slow burn just an- adds to the anxiety. Incantation over on Netflix if your house gets possessed I'm sorry this is one where if you burn sage burn it like if that's the thing you do do get that ready. before you press play before the da uh, and then one that you're gonna echo with me the rehearsal over on oh, HBO man. it is fantastic it's, it's really good watch it on a weekly basis and if you haven't caught Nathan for you go back and catch Nathan for you as well but you don't have to for the rehearsal it's it's own crazy little experimental mm-hmm. thing that he does and it, it's it packs a punch, bro. It's very emotional. There are some scenes where because of the, the what he's doing for someone to rehearse a very pivotal point in their life, two weeks into the rehearsal, you're seeing the person have to relive it for the umpteenth time, and it just, like, changes mm-hmm. it, a, a viewer's perspective of what that real person oh, is yeah, going through. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's really profound. I it, like it. It's it's really hard to even articulate how smart and amazing this show is. Did, did you say... Pause you, as a gimmick. No, yeah, That's it's way, really way more than that. Do you think this is better than Nathan for you? It feels more more targeted than Nathan for you. Like, yes. It's that. like Nathan for you it was more sketch, throw things at the wall. Yeah. And there's some like episodes said, of Nathan for you that are incredible. Like the Finding Francis episode is almost like this. Oh, no, that's the best way you could put it. This feels like Fr- Finding Francis if it was an entire limited yeah. series. And I think he realized that after he saw the reception to that. Because that's also another episode in Nathan for you where it's really him. Yeah. It's based off him, not the person he's helping, which yeah. is the whole premise of that show. So I'm I'm very curious how people uh, take this one because it is fantastic. Definitely. HBO, dude, it's got him. 
John Wilson, which he also produced. Gotta have that service, man. Yeah. Uh, my picks, we talked about Nope plenty. We're, we're seeing it tomorrow. I mean, look, it's one of the most hyped movies of the year. We're definitely excited to see it. Uh, we also talked a little about Last Movie Stars. I'm definitely curious to see that new documentary. I'm always interested in things that take a look at classic Hollywood, and especially given that Ethan Hawke is the guy making it, that's really cool. And then I'm going to give another shout-out to Aftershock, because it made me extremely that. emotional during Sundance. I think it's the only movie that got me to cry during mm-hmm. Sundance. Um, and we, we need it now more than ever, so please, please give a look at that documentary. Not the easiest documentary to watch, but a very necessary one. But I think that's about it for this installment of the weekend must watch. Everything. It's been exciting. It's been fun. I can like actually see <laughs> see you clearly now. I'm glad I'm glad we got to see Paul's The Fury together. Right. Because that was that was one where I wor- wasn't sure if we were gonna be able to articulate to each other how profound mm-hmm. this adaptation of Blazing Saddles it, would have been. It's one of those movies you need to be in the room together to like have that special experience. Mm-hmm. I also love how the kids just snuck out. We never even realized. We never saw the kids leave the mm-hmm. theater. They were always just coming back into it, but uh, theaters aren't the biggest place to be until Nope, but there's definitely a lot of streaming stuff to catch out there. So if you have any recommendations, let us know down below in the comment section. That's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterbox at Zshevich. That's Z S H E V I C H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Art. Where can people find more from you? You can find me over at Elmi Explain on Twitter on Letterboxd, on YouTube, and every week here on the Intercut You podcast. can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash Intercut Pod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut week- Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m., and please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout-out to our listeners in Argentina. Hey. Shout-out, Julieta, uh, for putting us number 14 on the TV and film podcast charts out there. That's pretty good. That's pretty high That's pretty up. Decent. And we are, like, we're one rating away from getting to 100 ratings on Apple. Right. So I th- somebody's got to bite that bullet. And we'll just, get it by the end of the year. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> Sooner or later, somebody will go there and rate us. So thank you to those who have. Like our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. You can find all of those at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, there's no business like Shogun business. You like that word out. I did like that one. You like that one. Mel Brooks is funny. I just want to hear him talk sometimes.